Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So we talked about that word died. Some of you are, say, falling asleep, right? And we think that that probably means what? They, they're, they're, they have passed on from this life and they have, they have died. And so you will not, it continues on, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Now, does that mean that we don't grieve when people die, just a random thought? Does that mean that, okay, well, we don't grieve? No, it doesn't. It doesn't say, so you will not grieve. But it does say, I love Scripture because it's so in-depth. No, you will not grieve like who? Like people who have no hope. So you grieve, but it's in a different way because we have hope that, hey, guess what? We will see them again. And the question then was brought up, okay, well, what happens? What happens? when you die what happens when you pass away and the study that we went on we went to a lot of different scriptures to get here but the idea is this that when you die paul says to be absent from this body is to be present with who is to be present with the lord and so when i die my body is going to do what it's going to stay here on it's going to stay here it's going to be in a box it's going to go in the ground but my soul is not my soul is going to be present where It's going to be present with the Lord. And we looked at Revelation to look at that. I think it was Revelation chapter 6 to look at the souls that were in heaven who did not have bodies. And your body is going to stay here. But he's going to say something a little bit more about that, okay? So I want you to know that that the Scripture is pretty, pretty, it's always teaching throughout that, hey, look, when you die, you're going to go be with God. Verse 14, though, it says this, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. What does that mean? Okay, Here's what this means. I'm going to draw some clouds, and I'm a really good drawer. Okay, And here's a sun. All right. So when Jesus comes back, we'll just draw this little cross to represent Jesus. When Jesus comes back, he's coming... That's grass and a tree and another tree. And when Jesus comes back, there's going to be what? There's going to be, he's bringing with him. Do you see this? It says, and he will, when God will bring back with him the what? The believers who have died. So is Jesus coming by himself? Absolutely not. With him are going to be the people who have already died. Now, you notice that I draw some bodies up here. But in all actuality, we're going to study, and what we studied yesterday, it may not be actual bodies after all. It may just be the souls of the people who have already died. But they're going to be coming back at some time in the future. And when I say in the future, we kind of talked about, look, when you look at at a pregnant woman, you can tell, hey, she's one month pregnant. She's probably about four to five months pregnant. And when she gets about eight to nine months pregnant, you can tell that she's about to pop. And so Jesus told us a lot of signs that will happen in the last times to say, hey, look, you don't know the day, you don't know the hour. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> she's, she's about to give birth. All right. Um, <laughs> he gave us some signs. Hey, look, these are things are going to happen right at the end. And we have actually been seeing some of those very signs that are happening. And so when I say sometime in the future, it may be, it may be sooner than you think. It may be sooner than you think. 
So when Jesus is coming back, he's going to bring people with him. But let's keep on going. Verse 15 says this. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Now that's pretty obvious to me. What, what, I mean, that, okay, let me explain it like this, okay? If, if, I'm, if I'm living and it's 2022, it's September the what, 14th today, 2022. And, and, and my, my, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to pass away today, okay? So RIP Drake. All right, cat missed me a lot. Um, but, you know, um, I love you forever. So if I was to die today, I would go to be with who? I would go to be with Jesus. Now, what if, what if, um, I don't know, Mr. Dennis was to RIP tomorrow, 2022, September the 15th, um, who would get to see who first? I would get about 24-hour head start to be with Jesus over Mr. Dennis, right? Does that make sense? But what if on the next day, September the 16th, 2022, Jesus comes back and he gets to call us all home? Who gets to see Jesus first? I'm going to be Mr. Dennis. Mr. Dennis and me are all going to get to see Jesus about 48 hours longer than all of who? All of you. It's, 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 it's. It's simple when you read it like that, I guess. So I'm not sure if that's the right, the, that's the correct interpretation, but I do think that it is. I do think that it is. But if you don't agree with that, that's okay. That's okay. I really, that's, that's okay. Um, but that's how I'm going to read that. So when the Lord return, that we will not meet him ahead of those who have already died. Verse 16 says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, first the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. All right. So we already know that when Jesus comes, we already read it, he's going to have people that are coming back with him. Right? But it says that the bodies of those people are going, did y'all, did y'all see that? The bodies of those people are going to meet Jesus in the air. So what in the world does that mean? Well, we talked about it in Revelation. Let me prove it to you, just in case you missed last week. In Reve- Look, I could go to so many different, so many different um, scriptures. I'm just picking a, a random one. In Re- Revelation, I believe it's chapter 6, it says this, um, when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, it's Revelation 6 verse 9, when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls, the bodies, note, the souls of all who had been be, be martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long be, be, um, before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood, for they have done for what they have done to us then a white robe was given to each of them and they were told to rest a little while longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters their fellow servants of jesus who had been martyred had joined them so what we learn is that not only are they souls but they're souls who who can be given something they can be given something 
But not only can they be given a white robe, they can be seen by John. So these souls are not, I don't know, I mean, they at least can be seen, and they at least can be given something. And I, I, I may be reading into this too much. I'm going to go ahead and tell you I may be reading into this too much. But if they're given a white robe, it sounds like they can at least put the thing, the robe on. I don't know that, but it sounds like they at least could. And if not, maybe they just put it in a dresser and, and save it for the time that they get bodies. I don't know. But nevertheless, what we know is that, hey, look, that's, that, that's pretty cool. So the, the souls are up there. Um, let, me, let me show you one more thing. And maybe that doesn't convince you. If I was in your shoes, that may not convince me fully either. And so let's go one more verse. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is going to be one of our final like, conclusions to what Paul is going to want us to get. 1 Corinthians 15, and um, let's just go to 42. We'll just skip a little bit. 1 Corinthians, and this is just review from last Wednesday. But 1 Corinthians 15, 42, it says this. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted into the ground, then we die. But they will be raised to live forever. Oh, that's interesting, okay? Our bodies are buried, verse 43, in brokenness, but they will be raised in the glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as they are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scripture tells us, the first man, Adam, became a living pers- person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people, they are like the heavenly man. Just as, verse 49, just as we are now like the earthly man, we will some day be like the heavenly man. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. They, These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. So Paul's going to say very clearly, look, when you die, your body cannot go to heaven. But verse 51 says, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died, what will happen? They will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into the bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies will be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scriptures we will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? So what does that say right there? What that tells me is that the souls are already in heaven. And when in First, First Thessalonians says, hey look, these bodies are going to be raised. What is it? The natural bodies that are in the ground. They're going, to, they're going to be raised in this, to a spiritual body so that we can inherit eternal life. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? They're going to be... So what if then there are these people that are on earth and Christ comes back? Oh, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Okay? They're, they're Christians... 
Christ is coming back, and now the dead bodies of the people who have already died, they're being turned into spiritual bodies, going up to meet the souls of the believers. What's going to happen to them? They're just like, okay, well, I guess we're stuck here. No, it's saying right there in First Thessalonians, hey, they're going to be transformed. They're going to meet Christ in the air. All right, that's what we learned yesterday, or that's what we learned last week. All right, great stuff. But here is the most, this is one of the most important questions that I've ever asked y'all. So tune in. I know that may have been super boring and it's okay, but tune in right now. Please, please, please. Y'all, when is this going to happen? When is the rapture going to take place? If you want to call that, if you want to call us the Lord's coming, you can call it whatever you want to. It doesn't matter to me. When is this going to happen? That's what, that's what we want to know. That's what we need to know. When is this going to take place? We don't know the time of the hour. That's exactly right. All that we know that is happening. All right, so the question is on the table. When is this coming? Wouldn't it be great if Scripture would tell us the answer? Well, like it always, it does. And so just keep reading. Look at chapter 5 with me because we got to know this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul is about to answer. Hey, I've already told you what's going to happen. Now let me tell you when is it going to happen. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he's going to say, Now concerning how and what, when all this will happen to your brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you. For you know quite well that just as Miss Middleton said, okay, mine doesn't say that, never mind. For, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure then disaster will follow them as suddenly as the pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and to the night. So be on guard, not sleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you were already doing. To which you think, Paul, what in the world, dude? Everybody's sitting on the edge of their seat like, oh man, when's it, when's it coming? When's it coming? And Paul says, um, I don't know. It's going to be unexpected. Doesn't that just make you angry? Doesn't that just, isn't that frustrating? And so the people who were trying to figure out, hey, when's this going to happen? When's they gonna... Paul writes this and they got another question. Their question is, is, is Paul. When is this going to happen? They are confused. They want to know more. They it's like, like Paul. Please tell us something else. So what if we knew the precise date? What if that's a great question? I don't know. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Our, our inner procrastination would come out. We would worry. We would worry. Yeah, we're supposed to live every day like it. 
Yes. That, yeah, that's exactly right. We would have very little influence, and so the people are are. Um, have y'all y'all remember when Mr. John Pace was speaking? And and I mean, he was like ten minutes past, fifteen minutes past. And but were you sitting there looking at your watch and like, is he ever gonna finish preaching so I can go home? No, you're like, hey, come on, brother, you keep preaching, I'll keep listening because he was that good. Like I was like, hey, what else do you have to say? That's how these people are now. They're like, Paul, what else do you have to say? When is it gonna happen, man? We want to know. And so here's what happens. They write Paul back and say, Paul, we got to know. When are you talking about? And so Paul is going to give an answer. Do y'all know the book that comes after 1 Thessalonians? 2 Thessalonians. You guys are smart. Led by Mr. Hutch Hutchinson. He's got his degree. He does. Sharp. All right. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul is going to answer the question that has been asked. The question maybe you are all answering. Paul, th- thanks, thanks for that, but that's kind of that's vague, Paul. Give us something more. So here, he's going to. He's going to. Here's what he's going to say. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. So he's saying, Let, okay, y'all remember that letter I, I wrote earlier? Let me call back to y'all's attention when I talked about the Lord coming. Verse 2, don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision or a revelation or a letter supposedly from us, so what was happening? People were going around saying, oh, the day of the Lord's already come. You missed it. Sorry, you know. Uh, better luck next time. 2012. Yeah, 2012. And so what happens? Verse 3. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction. Verse 4. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Okay, so do I need to read that again or did y'all get that? So what is Paul saying right there? You covered it when you teach Paul Revelation. Yeah. Okay. Antichrist, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let me let, let let me say something really carefully, okay? Now, I know I know that a lot of people in the room probably have different views on revelation and the rapture and when it's going to happen than i do and that's like that's perfectly fine like i i I never ever should you um let me say it like this i know people who are who say this 
If you don't have the same view about predestination than I do, I'm writing you out of my book. If you don't have the same view of the rapture than I do, I'm writing you out of my book. If you don't, listen, I can be wrong. But all I'm trying to do is to bring out the word of God to you today. That's all I'm trying to do, okay? And I hope I've done it in a way that, that you can read it and say, okay, what Paul says is that the day of the Lord's coming, when He's going to come and meet us, that's not going to happen until what? Don't be fooled by what they say, verse 3, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call good or call God and Every object of worship, he will sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. And until that comes, Jesus is not coming back. So why is that important? All right, listen to me very carefully. The reason that that is important is because it is my understanding of the scriptures that the day of the Lord's coming is not going to happen at least until this, anti, this, this man of lawlessness, I'll call it what he calls it, comes. And then after that, the day of the Lord's coming will happen. Sometime after that. So be very careful because some people and a lot, and some, y'all may, y'all probably, I'm going to guess a lot of you probably in the room think, that, that, that the rapture is happening before the Antichrist comes, before the tribulation happens. But this scripture, it, it, I think that it teaches, I think that it teaches something else, that it's not going to happen until Christ himself comes. I mean, until the man of lawlessness himself comes. And so what will happen when that does happen, okay? Look with me at verse 5. Verse 5 says, Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back? For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one holding him back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed by the Lord. I mean, but... But the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and will destroy him by the splendor of his coming. So what does that say? That says the man of lawlessness, whoever this is, he's going to be killed by Jesus. All right, so let's take our Bibles and let's have that in our mind. And let's go to Revelation chapter, uh, I think it's chapter 13. And we have the beast out of the sea. We have a couple of different uh, beasts that come. And in Revelation 13, we're going to look at specifically in verse 11. It's going to say this. Revelation 13, verse 11, it says, Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like that of a lamb, and as he spoke, the voice of a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound has been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. So what do you see? 
see. You see this dude doing miracles, and you see him deceiving people who belong to this world. Secondly, he says this, he ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. Verse 15, he was then permitted to give life to that statue so that it could speak. Then the statue and the beast commanded that everyone refusing to worship it must die. Verse 16, he required everyone small and great and rich and poor and free and slave to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name wisdom is needed here let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast for its number of the man his number being six 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 some of your translations have a little star right there and it kind of constructs it from the bottom and it says 616 but it's going to be one of those all right so christ from what we read in second thessalonians is not coming until this man is here but if if maybe a little skepticism is in you and you say, how do you know this man is the man of lawlessness? How do you know that they are linked together? Okay, that's a great point. That's a very smart question to ask. Very smart. Go with me back, if you have your Bibles, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, exactly where we were. And, and we're going to pick up literally exactly where we have stopped on verse 9. So we know that the Lord is going to slay this man with his mouth, but look what happens. In verse 9, it says this, This man will come and do the work of Satan. The, with what? With counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to do what? To fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. And so what it says about this man is that he's going to do miracles, signs, and that he's going to deceive the people. And if you flip over in Revelation chapter 13, it's the very same thing. Hey, I'm giving homage to Satan, this dude giving homage to the first beast who was given power from the dragon. And what it says, we'll go and read that in a second. Go ahead. Are we going to know that? Are we going to? Are we going to know when the lawless guy comes and Jesus kills? Good question. That's an amazing question. To the answer to the question is yes, and I want to prove it to you, okay? Okay. I'll, okay. If we know it, yes. and then this is before he returns, I mean... <clears throat> I mean, we're going we to know that's just Jesus. Yes, that's a really good point. Okay, so there are going to be false people, false prophets, what Jesus calls them in Matthew 24. They're going to come and say, hey, I'm, I'm Christ, I'm come back. He says, look, when that happens, don't believe them, don't believe them. Because all of this stuff has to come before that day happens. That's why I'm preaching to you right now. The, uh, just to skip ahead, that's why it matters. That's why what we're studying right now matters. So that we know what Christ says, what Paul says, what Revelation, the author's John, says about what's going to happen. And so we won't fall for the counterfeit, but we will believe when the true Jesus comes. That's why this is so important. But to your question, there will be false people that come, and not everybody will know the Antichrist is the Antichrist. When he well, comes. If Jesus kills him, we don't know. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes, you will. 
let me get to that, okay? I'm, answer, I'm answering Mr. John's question, and we're going to answer it. Um, but let, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this, okay? So then, if, if Jesus is coming back after the Antichrist comes, this man of lawlessness comes, this beast out of the earth comes, if he's coming back after that, when is there, it still doesn't answer the question when the rapture is going to take place, does it? It just says it has to be after this guy. All right? So when is it going to happen? There's two thoughts out there. Thought number one is, are you looking at Revelation? Do you see Revelation chapter 14, verse 14, and how it says, like, the harvest of the earth? Do y'all, do y'all see that? The harvest of the earth, the harvest of the... Uh, what's that say? The harvest, the harvest of the earth. Do y'all see that? Yeah, thank you. Uh, the, angels, the, harvest, the harvest of the earth. Do y'all see that in 1414 where it says the harvest of the earth? Okay. Y'all look at the harvest of the earth. I'm just going to read it. It says this. Then I saw a white cloud. So we have a cloud. That's, that's interesting because we've heard that language before. And seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. How did Jesus refer to himself? Son of Man. So that, that sounds real familiar. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Was sounding like Jesus right here. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle, for the time of the harvest has come. The crop of the earth is ripe. So the one sitting uh, on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. Do y'all see that right there in 1414? So it's possible then that that's going to be when the rapture happens, when Jesus comes back. Do y'all see that? Okay. I'm not going to say it's a problem. Go ahead. Exactly, yes. The sheep and the goat. Yes, exactly, exactly. There's a lot of parables about that that Jesus talks about. Perfect. I'm not going to say it's a problem, but there is one... Let me just keep on reading, and I'll let you see it for yourself, okay? Um, verse 16, go with me to chapter 16, I meant. Chapter 16, verse 14, so 16, 14. So we went from 14, 14 to 16, 14. So Revelation, chapter 16, verse 14, it says this. Um, well, let me go to 13, okay? Verse 13, so chapter 16, verse 13. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouth of the dragon, from the beast, and from the false prophet. Verse 14, they are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to the rulers of the world to gather them for the battle against the Lord on that great day of judgment. So when you get to chapter 16, who is still alive, Mr. John? The beast, the dragon, and the false prophet. So they're still, do you see how it's in chapter 16 they're still alive? So you kind of have to wrestle with that if you think the rapture is at chapter 14 because who's still alive? It's just a thought, okay? And so what's the second possibility of when that rapture is going to happen in the book of Revelation? Go with me real quick to Revelation chapter 19. And this, here's the second thought of when it could possibly be. Verse, it's not really, a, it's a, the verse doesn't really start here, but it's 20. It's verse 20, chapter 19, verse 20. But if you kind of read along, um, I'll just start from 20, that's fine. 
Um, verse 20 says this, And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all that accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped the statue. Okay, so we know that they're still alive, but guess what's about to happen? Okay, both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Verse 21, their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth, do y'all hear that? From the mouth of the one riding the white horse. And the vultures uh, all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. So the white horse kind of, you remember 14, the guy with the right horse had the crown with the Okay, the, its rider, it killed the beast, the false prophet, with what? With his mouth. Okay, flip back to 2 Thessalonians. I know it's a little bit of flipping, but 2 Thessalonians, we just read it. What did Jesus kill these people by? It says, so God will cause them to be greatly deceived. They will be, oh, no, we're not right there. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it says, Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with what? With the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. In verse 19, he dies by the mouth of the one riding the white horse, both the beast and the false prophet. And they're thrown into the lake. And verse 20 says this, Then I saw an angel of the Lord, come, or chapter 20, I'm sorry, chapter 20, verse 1 says this, Then I saw an angel of the Lord coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and heavy chains on his hand. He seized the dragon, the old serpent, who is called the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, pit which he then shut and locked to Satan could not deceive nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterwards, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw the thrones and the people sitting and he, uh, sitting on them had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue nor accepted the mark on their foreheads and their hands. They all came to life again and they reigned with Christ for the thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Do you see that in the scripture? So it's possible, but that's that's the time. No, I don't know. I don't know. Is it chapter 14? Is it chapter 20? I'll let you decide. But those are the two thoughts about, okay, um, um, it doesn't tell us when. It just says after they come. But, what it, but, but I'll let you make up your mind. Is it chapter 14? Is that when it happens? Is it chapter 20? Is that what it happens? Now, regardless, y'all, regardless of what you believe, here's the reason why we did the whole study. Here's why it matters. It's because you need to know that the Antichrist at least will come. You will have to face the mark. You have to deny that. It will get pretty bad while he is in rule. And so be very careful and have the knowledge to say, hey, look, I'm looking out for these things instead of the ignorant bliss of like, oh, you know, I, I never have to face that. And yet you may have to. You may have to. Um, and hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Um, 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 if you do not believe how I believe and you're in here, um, that is okay. Y'all know how excited I get 
when people tell me, I have a different thought of that than you. I'm like, let's go, that's so cool, why? Because that means that they're reading their Bibles, they're opening, they're studying this book, and that is the best thing that you can do, that you are studying and forming your own opinions. I don't want to make disciples of Drake, I just simply want to make disciples of Jesus. I want to teach you how to think, not what to think, and I hope I've done that today uh showed you how to think on these things how to flip through your scriptures but look i gotta go we gotta go thank y'all so much for coming um and being a part of our discussion today um be careful watch out do some more studying um and i love you all let's pray god thank you for everything that you're giving us thank you for letting us be here today god we love you please um speak to the boys um give me the best words to say the wisest words to say god we love you and we thank you here i pray amen and amen, amen.